What's up, podcast listeners? Gary Vaynerchuk, the poster boy for social media entrepreneurship, says, you should be posting 100 times a day. He really believes that as long as you're adding value, you should be posting as much as you can. Let's unpack what Gary Vee's talking about when he says 100 times a day, whether you should be posting that much, how much should you be posting, and on what channels. Enjoy the episode. Much love. Has anybody heard of Gary Vaynerchuk by any chance? Gary Vaynerchuk is the poster boy for social media entrepreneurship. He started working in his dad's wine business and he started a show where he would just sit in front of the camera and tell people what he thought of different wines, but he was very animated and he shared, you know, very honestly without thinking about what the business impact would be from sharing his opinion. They managed to grow that business predominantly through AdWords and email marketing, but the YouTube skills obviously developed. And then when he decided to start a media business, he started filming himself speak. And before you know it, he was quite a big success on YouTube. And now everyone who thinks of social media, they think of, of Gary Vee. Gary Vee posts on social media 30 times a day at least. Yes. His mindset on it is, if I'm not posting 100 times a day, I'm leaving money on the table. It's not as crazy as it sounds, because people think, oh, you know, 100 times a day, that's ridiculous. But his outcome when he goes to do a talk, if there's 100 people in the room, is that all of them post something on social media about his brand. Let's say 50 years ago in Australia, if you could buy beachfront property for like a penny a plot, how many plots would you buy? This is where all of our attention is at the moment. In business, the only asset, I guess, that we all need in order to be able to do our business, sell products, sell services, is attention. We all need attention, and that, this is where it is at the moment, and it's extremely underpriced. To run ads on Facebook, to run ads on LinkedIn, is, is still extremely cheap. In five years' time, it'll be, I reckon it'll be at least three times as much, if not more. So advertising's cheap, it's just how do you engage people in an effective way? You have to learn how to communicate properly on the channel. So that's where the skill set comes in. The challenge is, if you have been marketing in the traditional sense before, you think you just buy an ad, it either works or it doesn't. And so a lot of people hop on LinkedIn, they run an ad, and then it doesn't work. And so they don't try again. It's LinkedIn's fault, it's not mine. I can't take advantage of the opportunity. So how does Gary Vee post <laughs> so much, you might ask? This is what I like to call an upside-down pyramid. And at the top, you have uh, what you call pillar content. So this could be like a one-hour talk like this, or it could be a one-hour interview, could be a podcast interview, could be a vlog. So lo some long-form piece of content that you develop, which ideally would be posted on YouTube. That's really where long-form content ends up for a couple of reasons. One is you don't have the limitations on YouTube. So on LinkedIn, you can only post 10 minutes. Facebook, shorter videos work better. Um, same with Instagram. Instagram, when you post, only a minute. If you post on IGTV, it's 10 minutes. And so YouTube's normally where you put the long-form content. Uh, the other thing is YouTube is a search engine. Not, I mean, it's an interactive search engine, but it's not a social media site. So uh, when you post on YouTube, people are always thinking about how to get it at the top of the search results, right? And so, how does YouTube determine which videos to put at the top? Well, it's just like Google. Um, it wants to give its users a good experience. It wants to show the most relevant information that other people are also enjoying. So it looks at a couple of things. It looks at the keywords. It can even interpret what you're saying in the videos. So like repeating the topic of the video as you speak it uh, will help your search results. But it's not about how many views you get. It's about how long people watch the videos for. So if you, 
if you're posting a video that's 10 minutes long and somebody else is posting a video that's 60 minutes long, you're at a disadvantage. You've got your pillar piece of content. Then below that, you can basically do, well, you can do three rounds, really. So you can do micro, micro videos. George and I just used a interview I did with the social media college. It went for 35 minutes and we managed to create how many micro videos? 20 or so? 26 out of one 35 minute clip, 26 videos. And then you can do pics as well, so images. Generally, in, in the instance of my business, these are quotes. So just high impact quotes, let's say you get 10 of them. And then you can also do um, the written form stuff as well. Let's just, let's just call it blogs for now. But it could be short form written as well. We'll just be conservative and say you get five of them. So how many is that? We're already up to 41, right? So the reason like I've only done five here is because both of these are going to need written copy with them. It's not enough just to post a video without doing a caption with it. It's actually really important. It's, it, it's one of the big things that people um, uh, don't, don't do, which uh, is a big mistake. Because people will not watch a video unless they, the written copy captures their attention. And so like, there's some skills that go into that, which I'll explain in a minute. But let's just stay on this uh, pyramid model for a minute. By the way, how much of this does Gary Vee actually do? Like, I mean, for, in, in the example of him who's got a content team, right, how much of this does he actually have to do? Like, he just basically is the one performing this, right? And then the team can do all of this, yeah? But the challenge is, how do they make sure that these videos are relevant to the audience? Because you can't really, you're just kind of guessing, aren't you? You're chopping it up and you're hoping that people are going to engage with it. And hopefully, if Gary Vee knows what he's doing, he knows his audience, most of it will be highly engaging. But you can take it one step further, and this is really where the, this is the point of difference. This is what makes all the difference, is this is where you can then look over the comments. What was I going to write? Community insights, that's it. Uh, community insights. It doesn't get much neater when, I can, <laughs> when I've got a good pen. <laughs> if you post these micro videos and some get more engagement than others, more people want to watch them, you'll find in the comments people will quote some of the bits that they like or quote some of the highlights of the sections that resonated with them. And then you can use that to then create more videos. So it's based on exactly what the audience has resonated with. So you can repurpose it. So that's the reason why Gary Vee is so successful is because he keeps listening to what the audience is telling him to create these, these micro pieces of content. And of course, as he learns what people are interested in, this is going to get better as well, isn't it? What do most people do on social media? In the real estate industry, most people, you go to a real estate agency's Facebook page or even a LinkedIn profile for a real estate agent, listing, listing, new team member, Friday drinks, it's all about them. They've not listened to what their audience is interested in at all. It's all me, 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 me. And that's why there's only one like and no one's looking at it. Because the audience doesn't care. They're only catering for a very, very small portion of the audience. People might be interested in buying a five-bedroom house in Dalkeith. It's only a small portion of that agency's audience. It's too far at the top of the customer journey. I'll write this neatly. So this is a customer journey map. Where a lot of um, business owners will get unstuck is they get some advice from a marketer or they read a blog or they, or they download a PDF from Facebook or LinkedIn and they've got some advice but they haven't got it in the context of where it applies in the customer journey. 
The first step in a customer journey is awareness. Yep, need recognition. There's a few different ways you can explain it, but basically being aware that you have a problem, yep. Then you've got consideration, where you're considering the alternative solutions to the problem. And then you've got decision. This is where you're already speaking to a potential solution and you're deciding whether or not to, to buy, basically. If you don't have any information about the people that you're targeting, if it's just a post on an organic LinkedIn profile or organic Facebook page, you need to cater for this part of the customer journey. There's no point catering for this portion because it's going to be like 1% of your audience. If no one engages with it, chances are that 1% is not even going to see your post. It always has to come back to here. So what you can do is then need recognition, consideration. The way that Facebook funnels works is basically if you can um, show an ad to people that have watched 50% of your videos or more, then you can give them a call to action because they're further down the customer journey, right? They've watched more of your content. And so that, that's where that sort of content becomes effective. And now if somebody's been to your website and looks at a landing page or even been to a shopping cart, you can show them all this stuff. Testimonials, case studies, you know, um, client stories, how do you buy from us, all that stuff that's at the bottom of the funnel, but only show it to that portion because they're qualified, right? Um, they're interested in it. If you start showing it to these people, you're just going to scare them off and piss them off and annoy them. The days of interrupting people with that kind of stuff are pretty much over. It just doesn't work. Like a, the other thing is like, um, you know, like the ads where you post and say like, this is a fire sale till Friday, you can get this one free, all that kind of stuff does not work up here. It doesn't. In the past, we would just get interrupted on TV. We didn't really have a choice. We had to watch it. Whereas on social media, people aren't interested in it. They're not going to engage in it with it. Therefore, it's not going to be in the newsfeed for very long. So the customer's in control these days, basically, of the content that they see. So yeah, you can promote and pay for an ad to, to show up, but you're only going to get a return on investment if you're only targeting it to these people down the bottom. LinkedIn is one of the few social media platforms where you can still go viral. So you can post something, and if enough people from your audience engage with it, it can get amplified to a point where you literally, it's showing your post to hundreds of thousands of people, even if you have a very small network. You can't do that on any other social channel. We've talked about attention, right? But you've sort of moved on to the, to the next bit I want to talk about, which is trust. Those are the two assets, attention and trust. So brands have, in, in the past, have done a very good job of getting attention by interrupting people, and a very shit job building trust. These days, brands that build trust will do exceptionally well, and that's why you can't sell to people in the awareness stage, because they're not going to trust you at all. You've just got to give, give content, add value. And so all of that, all those 30 videos that Gary Vee does, they, none of them have a call to action. In fact, he's taken it one step further, and when he does a talk, you'll watch pitch after pitch after pitch, every presenter's selling something, except for Gary Vee, be the headline act, won't sell anything. He's just literally adding value. You've got to f make an effort to, to buy anything from him. In fact, you can't buy anything from him. Most businesses don't have the budget to work with his agency. He put out a sneaker. You can buy a sneaker, you can buy a book. That's it, basically. Another guy, Kerwin Ray, we've already talked about. He's got a vlog where basically he's now got a media person full-time following him around. And so he puts out this weekly, or I don't know how often it is, but it's a show. But it shows people what's going on behind the scenes. It builds trust, it builds authority. I mean, he's done exceptionally well on social media. And this woman asked him in their team meeting, she goes, oh, you know, my friends have been watching the series. And they said, 
we don't know what you guys do. We need to explain what we do in the videos because people don't know what we do. And he said, no, that's exactly what I want people to think. I want to create intrigue because if you give people all the information, they don't want to keep watching to find out more. So they drip feed the information so that you're always trying to find out more. So that's why this micro content works so well. Intrigue is, is, is an important asset in social media. You don't want to give away too much information. Like how many of those sales letters that you get in LinkedIn inbox that says this is what we do, we offer this service, these are all the awards we've won, these are all the testimonials, these are all our website links. How many of those work? How many do you respond to? Yeah. But the ones that go, hey, how are you doing? I'd like to have a coffee with you. You're like, who the hell is this guy? Click, look at his profile, oh, that was interesting. I'll respond to that. Intrigue. Because if you start telling people all the, all the things you do, the more you tell them, the less curious they're going to be when you sit down with them, the less interested they're going to be, the more, you know, less they're going to pay attention. Yeah, and I think, I think it comes down to the, the customer journey, like, to be honest. Like, if I literally contact a, a business that I want to get as a client, I would tell them exactly what it's about, and I'm very direct. Yeah, but if I'm posting something, I won't be. So the results will do the talking. I think that's the biggest thing, is like, you just, you, you will find out very quickly what works and what doesn't reason that 90% of people are not getting any return on investment out of social media is not because they're doing the wrong thing, it's because it's they're not doing anything. Unless you start using it now, you, you're going to miss out on this opportunity, it will just be gone. It won't last. And LinkedIn has been the slowest to get there and now that's where the opportunity is. It's already happened on Facebook. Yeah, and it's still cheap to, to buy ads on Facebook, but you, can do it, you could do it for free. <laughs> And you can do it for free on LinkedIn at the moment, better than you can do it with paid ads. And the real estate agents, they're all doing this door knocking and fridge magnet shit. They're all doing the same thing. They get the newspaper ad, they do this, they go to the home, it's all the same. It's where the point of difference is on social media and the way to get really good at it and better than anyone else on social media is to post more. I told George this morning, if he wants to be successful at anything, he needs to fail twice as quick as other people and he'll get there twice as fast. It's the only way you can learn. Social media, it's, it's, that, that's the way it works. Because it's about authenticity, it's about being not the best version of yourself, it's being the, the truest version of yourself. That's what creates engagement. You get to know your audience needs so well, you know when to add, you can add value. You know what pieces of content to chop up that will communicate value to them. And so if you don't know, and you're just starting out, you can either jump in, make some videos, go happy Friday, hello Facebook, and all your friends and your mum will like it, but none of your customers will be interested because it's not about anything and you don't have time to watch all that stuff. They're not there to support you. Say, look, how can I add value to your professional life through content? Like if you did that to some of your home sellers, say, oh, you, you know, whether they use LinkedIn or not, like if I was to create some content that would add value to what you're doing, what would it be? And then you just create a video around that. That's the best way to serve your market. A huge mistake that content creators make on social media is they follow the engagement. So they post something, they get the likes and the followers from their mum and their girlfriend and all that sort of stuff. And then they create more content like that because they want to get more engagement, but they're not serving their target market. On LinkedIn and on Instagram, there are content creators with hundreds of thousands of followers that are spending more time trying to find engagement pods, which are groups of people who join, 100 people join, every day they post a link in there, everybody like my stuff and I like your stuff. They're spending more time doing that than they are actually finding out what their customers' needs are or even responding to their comments on the posts. Some of those content creators I've contacted about business opportunities and they haven't even got back to me because they're too busy liking people's stuff so that someone will like their stuff back.
So they look really popular. They can manipulate customers' decisions because it's like, like, they're like, oh wow, this guy's an influencer, right? Hey, they're influencing shit. It's just, they're spending all day on LinkedIn trying to get people to like their stuff back. But they don't know anything about the actual audience that they're targeting and servicing their needs. And they're not gonna learn. So their content's getting pushed towards this market of all these people that are basically what I call fake influencers. And they're moving further away from the people they actually serve. In the long run, they will all lose. It won't work because the number one priority for LinkedIn at the moment is to make sure that it serves reliable, reputable content to its users. And that shit just isn't. When I went to university at UWA, I studied, well, I was gonna study finance and I went to a derivatives lecture and I just absolutely hated it. So I decided to switch to marketing. I thought that would be really easy. While I was at university, I remember ordering my first pizza on the internet. At university, while I was there for five years, I didn't do one unit on online marketing, not one. But I was starting to buy that way. As a customer, I was learning how to buy that way, but I wasn't learning how to market that way. And when I went back to a rotary function uh, at UWA, I was sat opposite the community, uh, community um, online community manager or something. He was in charge of online marketing, basically, for UWA. And I said, do you guys now run any online marketing lectures for the students? And he goes, yeah, yeah, we've got one course. I said, oh, where do you get the content from? He goes, Google. So the way Google works is the content has been on there longer, it goes to the top, so that's probably about two years old. By the time it gets into the course and by the time people graduate, they're basically like graduating with content that's six, seven years old. So that's not, it's not relevant, none of it's relevant anymore. When I graduated in marketing, there's all these marketing graduates, because everyone studies it, there's not many marketing jobs. So most people end up in sales. And so when I was in mean, my sales career, I actually decided to live in Thailand and sell real estate in the middle of low season. So there's no foreigners buying real estate in Thailand at low season. It's raining outside and I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to get any customers to buy villas off me when there's no one on the bloody island? And so like, I've got a laptop in front of me. So I thought, okay, I'm going to learn how to get to the top of Google. So when people are searching for property investment in Thailand, we show up at the top. I did. And by the time high season came around, we're getting 10 leads a day. We sold a, a development of 93 odd villas out in that high season and did four more projects. A company in Hong Kong heard that I can get real estate websites to the top of Google. Basically on the way over to Hong Kong, Google updates its algorithm, bang. Everything on page one, page 100. Because of the way that I did it, creating all these inbound links, trying to manipulate the search algorithm. Google gets smarter, can serve its users better content. Therefore, anyone that's trying to manipulate loses. So I learned about AdWords. You know, I learned about Google advertising. It's no different than the whole Facebook thing and the Facebook ads thing. What happens is, as these social media sites get smarter, Anyone that's trying to manipulate or game the algorithm will lose. Because eventually they're gonna be, just get smart enough to actually give its users what they want. I was uh, living in Melbourne and before I started my company, I was a salesperson and I asked my employer, I said, in online marketing, who's the best client? What's the best target market to, to focus on? I'm pretty much a new salesperson in this company. I've just moved back from Asia. He said, um, oh, it's funny you should ask, you know, medical practitioners, plastic surgeons, dentists, they got loads of money, they always need new clients and they don't know anything about marketing. So it's like, okay, that makes sense, cool. How many of those come through the website as inquiries every month? Oh, maybe one, if we're lucky. What would happen is the best salespeople would get the best leads and they could be from anywhere because on Google, everyone's using it. They search for website design. You don't know if it's gonna be this guy, that guy, or the next guy. And so if you're new, you're gonna get the leads which aren't that good because you haven't proven that you can convert them. So I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna get a list of all of the, I'm gonna start cosmetic surgeons. I'm gonna make a list of all of the ones in Melbourne 
and I'm going to call them up and I'm going to see if I can get appointments with them. And I couldn't get past this thing called the practice manager. Basically, somebody that's like a gatekeeper that keeps you away from speaking to the surgeons. And so I thought, oh, well, I'm just going to go in there, use my charisma, like maybe I can get a meeting. No chance. They, they're so good at this. They get people walking in there all the time. Everyone wants to sell to these people because they make lots of money. And so I was like, why don't I just try this new thing called LinkedIn? I literally like, hadn't got a picture on there. I've only got a f less than 100 people I'm connected to. Sure enough, I found a few of these surgeons on LinkedIn and I sent them a message and said, hey, I'm in online marketing. I specialize in the medical industry, right? I sent 10 messages, six responses, four phone call appointments, one sale. Okay, so the average price of a website for this business that I was working for was about three grand. The website I sold was $22,000 or something like that. So it's a really good sale, you know, the sales, oh, the new sales guys, the sales meeting, I'm getting like all the praise because I sold to a plastic surgeon. So the next week, instead of sending 10 messages, I sent 20 messages, make two sales. It wasn't long before I'd hired an assistant to send the messages for me. And I literally became the medical specialist in online marketing in Australia. And most surgeons knew who I was because they were connected with me on LinkedIn and we all had mutual connections that were in the same industry. And so that worked exceptionally well. And I would go to a, a business networking international meeting every week. And it got to a point where, you know, they give referrals to each other and they kind of have to give one, at least one, where I, I was getting so many leads through LinkedIn. I was like, this is, you know, this is a waste of my time. I could be spending this time, you know, following up leads. And so I quit. And then after I quit, a few of the members came up and said, if we give you some money, will you teach us how to do what you do on LinkedIn? And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And you know, my brain started ticking away. And, and I thought there might be an opportunity here. And then a couple of weeks later, the Australian Digital Marketing Institute called me up and said, how would you like to create Australia's first LinkedIn course for business professionals? So I was like, oh yeah, that'll be fun. So you think you know about something, when you have to create, you'll put on the spot to create a course and there's a you know, room full of students waiting, that's when you really start to learn. Every month I was going around to every city in Australia teaching this LinkedIn fundamentals course. And when I wanted to start my business, I decided to get some feedback from all of the students. So I'd call them up and say, what do you think of the course? You know, all these different questions about it. What did you get out of it? What do you think was the most important? And that, they all like, gave me raving reviews. I've got a lot, still a lot of testimonials from them today. But how many of them implemented it? Less than 5%. And I've learned since then that that's pretty common in training. When you teach people, like a lot of people just don't implement it. Time, whatever, they got, I don't know, it's always excuses. And so I thought, well, look, I've delegated it to an assistant. Why can't I get them to delegate it to me? And so that's when we started running lead generation programs on LinkedIn. First company in Australia to do it. I did some research. There was two people in America doing it at the time. We basically created this, this industry. And now, like when you look at um, LinkedIn inbox, there's a lot of sales letters, especially if you're not in control of who you're connecting with. If you're just accepting, rejecting, accepting, rejecting, you're going to get salespeople and recruiters. And you're not going to have a very strong network because you're just at effect. You know, you're just responding, you're reactive. You're not proactive, you're not going, oh, that's my target audience, come connect with me, you know? And, and connecting with those guys. Because if you do that, you won't get the sales letters and the recruitment letters. You'll be the one sending the messages. But the trick is not to send the, those messages that assume that someone's down here when they're up here. If, unless you know somebody's got the problem that you solve, you cannot sell to them, otherwise it won't work. It's disrespectful, it's condescending, there's so many different reasons why. So if you send somebody a message and you think they could be an ideal customer, like with those plastic surgeons, all it says was, I noticed that you're in the medical industry. I specialize in that area. I'd like to find out more about what you're doing with your online marketing to see if I can help or if there's a good fit to work together. That's it, because I'm not going to help them unless they've got the problem that I solve. They might not want more customers. They might already have awesome online marketing. I don't know. But if I 
speak to them and ask them some questions, we'll soon find out. The cool thing about doing it that way is when you ask the questions, they'll recognize the need because they either won't have the answers or they will. When I speak to people about LinkedIn marketing, I say, what's your sales process? And now I know for a fact that nine times out of 10, most businesses don't have one. They go, oh, give me a blank look. But that's where they recognize the need. That's where they recognize the problem. Not when I go, you, you don't have a sales pr process. It has to be when they think about it. That's the reason that LinkedIn lead generation is still effective for all my clients is because even though there's more people doing it on LinkedIn, 90% of them are just doing it wrong. You can still cut through the noise. People say to me all the time, oh, LinkedIn lead generation, that won't work. I see all those messages. I won't respond to any of them. They're all just sales letters. And I wouldn't respond to any of them either. That's why we do it different. They probably wouldn't even realize that it's a sales letter if they got a message from one of our clients. They go, oh, no, that's different. He knows the same people I do. You know, they don't realize that that message could be sent to 100 people. The only customized field is the first name. When I started posting content, the interesting thing was when I get these meetings, people are so receptive. They see you as a thought leader. They're not speaking to two other online marketing specialists. They see you as an authority. Conversion rate of the deals that you close is so much higher. And then you can start putting your prices up because you charge a premium because you're, you're the thought leader and your confidence goes up. Sure, if I meet somebody who hasn't seen any of my content before, they're not gonna know, but that very rarely happens. Today I put up a post, I tagged 10 people in it. Most people will tag 10 people that they think are gonna like, comment, and share on it. I tagged 10 prospects that are reviewing proposals. Because they'll watch the video and they'll go, oh, that's some sales pitch rubbish, like they'll piss off, but if they watch it, go, oh, that's, you know, that's really helpful. You know, and you can ask them for their feedback. It's really important to get feedback. It makes a world of difference. People don't realize how much I appreciate it when people give me like feedback, even if it's negative, because it's so useful I can create better content in the future. But uh, unfortunately, most people that buy will say, um, I've been watching your videos for a year now. I'm thinking, you never liked one, you never shared one. <laughs> like, but you know, people don't want to because they're worried about what other people will think of them, and they're not sure if they're supposed to, or you know, all these different reasons why. But the, what I remem always remember is, even though there's only so many people engaging, there's way more people seeing it. These days, most people I meet with have been watching my videos. They might not see all of them, but you know, most of them have seen some of them. And so the perception is, you know, they're like, this is what they say. This police officer at, <laughs> at the airport said, you're Nathaniel Bibby, I've seen your content. You're everywhere, he said. I'm not everywhere, right? It, I might be everywhere to him because he's engaged with my content or he's in my audience or he's, you know, interested in the same things. Like LinkedIn will show people content that's relevant to their industry that they're likely to engage with. They want people to engage on the platform. They want people to stay on there longer. Jeff Wine is the C CEO of LinkedIn. He was on CNBC two weeks ago. They said, Jeff, uh, LinkedIn's growth in the last 12 months was 29%, I think it was. And it's been growing at that rate roughly for the last three years since Microsoft bought LinkedIn for 26 point something billion dollars, which is extremely unusual. Like when an uh, acquisition, especially one that size, is ridiculously a lot, that's a huge amount of money. Way more than Google bought YouTube for, right? For a business to be consecutively growing for three years at that rate, something must be going on. And they said, Jeff, how are you managing to keep the growth going at that level? And he said, the engagement on the platform has tripled. 300% engagement. And he said, well, how does that translate into profits? Because it increases session time. So what that means is there's only, there's 700 million members on LinkedIn, but now they're spending three times as much time on there. It's a lot, three times as much. So they're spending an hour a day before, now they're spending three hours. 
Exactly. And it gives LinkedIn more data. They know what people are interested in, in more. They can reach more people because they're actually checking their messages. It has so many additional benefits. And it is. It's attributed to the algorithm getting smarter. And I think it's still got a long way to go. It's still crap. Like I still think they could serve me better information in my newsfeed. I'm starting to be able to control it a bit more, being careful what I engage on and all that sort of stuff so I see more relevant stuff. I've unfollowed a whole bunch of people so that I can see more relevant content. And I, and I started tagging clients and prospects in my post because I want to see their content. People say, oh, the content crap on LinkedIn. I've seen what LinkedIn is, it's just rubbish on there. That's attributed to their network. It's just their newsfeed's crap. They've been reactive, connected with whoever sends them a request and they've engaged on crap content and now, yeah, LinkedIn is crap for them. I have a suspicion that LinkedIn's gonna go in a different way to Facebook. I don't think they're gonna drive up the paid ads anymore and, and reduce the organic because it's working for them. Why wouldn't they continue it? I think their products are just gonna get better. So with any social media site, they just wanna keep their users on the platform. And so anything with a link in it is gonna get less exposure unless it's a paid ad. So I'll just chuck it in the comments, yeah. Same goes with your videos. So sharing a YouTube video is never gonna get as much exposure than if you chop it up and post it natively on LinkedIn. LinkedIn have publicly said that they, they want people posting more videos and they want people consuming video content. So they're promoting video content more than any other form of content. The articles and the written form updates and pictures don't get as much reach. They still get reach, don't get me wrong, but videos are doing the best at the moment. Um, so LinkedIn Live Video, which is like Facebook Live, has been released to some beta testers and to some parts of the US. When that gets introduced to Australia, which still hasn't, I don't know when it's gonna happen because I've been saying that it's gonna happen for the last three months, it will get more exposure than any other form of content without a doubt because it's more relevant, it's more timely, it happened on Facebook. That's gonna trump everything in the algorithm. So if you, you know, I'd be ready to hop onto live video and, and I'm gonna be doing a, so I've got a series where people post a question about marketing and they use the hashtag AskNat and then I make a video answering it. It's a great way for me to create content because it's people in my audience that are asking the question. So what I'm going to do is, is when live video comes out is I'm going to do that at the same time every week so that people can give live feedback. That's the strategy that I've prepared. And then I've also got um, this interview series called LinkedIn Heroes where I've been interviewing entrepreneurs, making an impact. These two content pillars are easy ways for me to create content ongoing because if you have to constantly think about what to post every day, it's not easy. You know, what can I post? Today? Like, it's not really strategic either, is it, when you think about it? It's like, okay, so if I create us Nat, that's gonna serve people's marketing questions. LinkedIn heroes, that's entrepreneurs. All right, let's do some Q&A, sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize it was already quarter to six. Great question, yep. So only three steps. It doesn't need to be overcomplicated. There's a lot of um, LinkedIn marketers that do way too much. It comes back to being direct, like you, to your p point. Don't waste people's time, get to the point. But if you find the people in your target market, right, and you send them a connection request, make sure it's customized. So there's just not like, I'll oh, just hit connect and I've done it to 100 people. It's like, hey, Jack, I, mean, I saw this bit of content you posted, or you know, we know the same people, that, you know, we know mutual connections. I see you're also based in Perth. Would love to connect. That's it. No you know, next step or like maybe we can meet, maybe we could do business, none of that. Just we want to connect, that's it. When they accept the connection request, it's almost like implied consent that you can then contact them in the future. Because they're a connection. Now they're in your business network. They're not just some second degree connection. So they got ideally target second degree connections so they know the same people you do. There's a much higher chance that somebody's gonna be receptive to a connection request if you guys know the same people. 
That's another reason why LinkedIn ads aren't as effective as doing it this way, because in LinkedIn ads, most of the time you're not targeting people that are in your sphere of influence. So then when somebody accepts a connection request, <clears throat> then you say, thank you for connecting. Um, I'd be interested in catching up and learning more about your business objectives, see if there's a way that we could work together. Not everyone's gonna say yes, but that's okay. If you send 200 connection requests, on average, you'll get half of them that'll accept, on average, across every industry I've worked in, so that's 100. If you send them a message, you'll get somewhere between 10%, that's a conservative figure, trust-based industries like finance, legal, medical practitioners, they're not on LinkedIn all day, maybe 10%, up to 30. 10 to 30 appointments every month, pretty good, from sending 200 connection requests, it's a scalable system. There's no reason why you can't send 400 the next month and get twice as many leads. Out of these 10 to 30, half of them, on average, will be ready to do business now, half of them down the track. So you want to uh, build a relationship with them because if they're not ready to do something now, they'll contact you later on down the track, especially if you're adding value through content. So it's about finding out who are the half that are ready now quickly. So you want to hop on a phone call before a meeting. So for all my clients, it'll be like, what's the best number to reach you on? What's a suitable time? They come back with a number. They call them up and say, okay, so the purpose of this call is to find out if there's a good fit for us to do business together or not. So you make it an equal play playing field. What are some of the frustrations that you have in your business? Or whatever questions lead to that sales discussion. And as soon as you find out that they don't have the problem you solve, you get off the phone. You don't want to waste anyone's time. You're not going to try and convince somebody that doesn't have a problem that you, they need to meet with you. It's a waste of time. You don't need to. There's too many people to get through. You want to find the people that you can help quick. So the number one problem that my clients have, they don't follow these guys up. So they're getting people that are expecting their phone call that they don't call them. I'm not talking about just entrepreneurs. I'm talking about sales teams. It's the biggest thing is that they don't understand the importance of sales training or sales processes. And it's not like AdWords, it's not like um, you know, Yellow Pages, it's not like calling off a TV ad. They don't have a need yet, they're still in awareness, these guys, right? So when you speak to them, they're not going, hey, how much does it cost? What colors do you have it in? They're just like, what are we doing on this call? And you have to be able to build the relationship and say, well, the purpose of this call is for me to find out a bit more about your business and see if there's an opportunity to, to work together or not. But they're right at the top. That's social media selling. But you, the good thing is you know they're exactly in the right industry you want to target. They're the key decision maker because you're only focusing on a few people. So instead of being reactive like you are on Google AdWords where everyone who's calling you, yes, they're asking for the price, but they could be anyone, you're only speaking to a very small portion of the market with what I call A-grade clients and you're just finding out if they have the need or not. But you're building a relationship with these people and you're building your influence. So if you add, if you are targeting medical practitioners, right? And let's say you get 5,000 connections, you know, after a couple of years of doing this. When you reach out to the next medical practitioners, what's the chance of you guys having like hundreds and hundreds of mutual connections? And he's gonna go, who the hell is this guy? He obviously knows a lot of people. When you niche, you become this perceived expert. And people say followers don't matter. And I can understand that, they don't for a lot of reasons, but people will look at the number of followers, the number of mutual connections, the first thing they do. So, you know, it is important, but what I would suggest doing is have relevant followers, so have the ones that are in that target industry. Yeah, you can do it, audience matching, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just a tip on LinkedIn ads, if you are gonna run them, lead gen forms are, have increased conversions for the campaigns that I've ran five times across the every industry. So what a lead gen form is basically just with one button, somebody can submit their information. So if you have a call to action, which is like a download a PDF or whatever, all they have to do is click once and then they get the information. So from a conversion perspective, the less clicks, the higher the conversion rate. 
And so lead gen forms have been basically a game changer. Yeah, the, the, this, it's a skill that's the asset, like being able to use, navigate the platform and use it properly. Yes, it's expensive, but the statistics are that people trust content, see ya, um, people trust content on LinkedIn three times more when they're making business decisions. Who cares if it's more expensive? If it's three times more trusted, you're gonna get three times more the results. It's not triple the price, I'll tell you that much. It's, it's only fractionally more expensive.